This week, had the distinct pleasure of interviewing um, someone I was very excited to chat with, uh, Jens Jacob. He is a producer out of L.A. He runs Cypher Films, and uh, I think you're really going to like this interview, especially if you wonder what a producer actually does. So, without further ado, hope you enjoy our conversation. Hey everyone, my name is Jared Hogan. And I'm Christian Schultz. And this is Good. Jens, welcome to the show, man. Glad to be here. So I have this... uh, there's this musician that I really love. He's from Sweden, and his name is Jens Lekman. But it's like Swedish, so I think it's actually pronounced like Jens Lekman. It's pronounced Jens, yep. But you're Jens. <laughs> I'm a Jens, yeah. So one different. of the one of the few actually, because they're all all the other ones are pronounced Jens. So where are you from originally? Uh, so I'm originally born in New York. Uh, grew up in Florida, and then I moved to LA about five years ago now. So like ethnically where where's your where are you rooted from oh yeah ethnically speaking uh from india my parents were born and raised in india but you never spend any time living there uh no have not uh i've been there two times now okay just visit visiting um but yeah no connections otherwise to india or sweden <laughs> or sweden <laughs> yeah that wasn't my first guess um dude okay so tell me about Tell me about Cypher Films. How long has that been up and going? Yeah, um, so Cypher Films started around 2013. Um, prior to that, I had done a lot of work in freelance. Okay. Um, and then just kind of got tired of working for other people, particularly within the commercial industry. Yeah. And just thought I'd, you know, do my own things. Started out with just like a documentary project. Um, and then uh, the other film that we had done that year was uh, Anomaly. Yeah. Uh, It was 2013. So we had those two projects and that's what kind of launched Cypher Films. That's amazing. Big year. Yeah. Big Big year. year. Yeah. It was, it was a great year. Um, Okay. So you grew up where again? Uh, So born in New York, grew up in Florida. Where in Florida? Tampa. Tampa. Nice. And then you're in Tampa and then decide you're going to make the shift to LA. Yeah. I mean, I I just came to a point where I felt like Tampa had nothing left to offer me. Yeah. Uh, Particularly in pursuing a path in the entertainment industry, I was going to end up in sports or news, and that was the cap of what Tampa had to offer. Right. Uh, So it was just time to move to one of the other major markets to just try try my hand at it. So let's like rewind a little bit. Sure. Um, let's, let's go back to little gins. <laughs> <laughs> when did little gins realize like, you know what? I think movies, that's like the thing for me. It's actually a funny story and I don't, it, I almost hate sharing it because it's not your typical yeah. story. It's not like I was watching Star Wars and it just clicked to me that this is what I was supposed to <laughs> do right, for the right, rest right. of my life. Um, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do for, for the longest time. And, um, growing up in an, an Indian, um, South Asian, like household, uh, it was very conservative, very strict. There was a certain 
guidelines and uh, paths that were like predestined almost for me sure. that I needed to go to, through. Um, and that ranged from the medical industry, engineering, um, computer science. That was kind of like what was acceptable within my culture. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of like the path that I had started. Um, uh, I always knew I wanted to do something within, uh, I guess the, yeah, the, the itch for me was business. Okay. Uh, I had a very entrepreneurial spirit, even from like when I was 12, like I knew that I was, I was going to start a business and I didn't know what that, what that looked like. And that's I, amazing. I don't feel like that's normal. <laughs> no, at that, Did funny. you have any really good little businesses going on when you were 12? Oh, I mean, I was a little hustler. Like I would sell candy bars <laughs> to <Yes>. kids <laughs> uh, before and after lunch. I would, um, uh, and this is probably not even legal for me to say, I would rip and burn music yes. and sell them as CDs, like back when Kazaa was a thing. Kazaa, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if I should have said that out loud. Um, Someone's listening right now. Yeah, right. I'm getting <laughs> the NSA on my back. Um yeah, so then it just one thing went for, uh, to another. Uh, I started um, when I was sixteen. I started an audiovisual company. When you were how old? Sixteen. Oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, a lot of uh, some of my family were, were already a, a part of doing uh, similar okay. uh, ventures, and then I started my own thing, and we started doing like small weddings, business uh, meetings, church events, uh, just kind of all over the place, and that's kind of how the the business side of things started. And then um, I remember, um, I think it was like when I was about 18 was when I kind of, uh, the the, uh, the film world kind of bit me. Um, and that started with a weird, and this is where it gets weird. This is where, where I was kind of <laughs> starting to mention uh, that it's not your typical story. I, I didn't get into film for some of the obvious reasons. I think I got into film early on because I knew I wanted to create. That was yeah. something inertly in me. But also, uh, I wanted to find out how to live forever. That's freaking amazing, man. Find... <laughs> that might be the best. <laughs> I... <laughs> you just dropped that. Like... <laughs> okay. It, All right. I, it, was, it was my search for immortality, the weirdest thing that I could ever admit to. Um, I had this weird thing that I was going to die young. And I remember seeing how back in the day people achieved that wasn't necessarily the fountain of youth or something, but more so doing something prominent that uh, their name was written in the books yeah. uh, for history to come. And I remember one day I was watching a film and I saw the end credits roll through. And I said, these people will live forever because their name is now written on this piece or whatever it is that will live for ages to come. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that was kind of what, what initiated the passion for it. Um, and then my love for storytelling and creating mixed with the art of business kind of was what led me to uh, producing within film. So that's amazing. That might be the most meta, like, <laughs> So embarrassing. Origin story I've ever heard. Um, you sound like a superhero or something. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, okay, so tell me, like, how much do you think someone having, like, a business mind, uh, is that, like, imperative to be a good producer? Mm. 
Um, not necessarily. I think I think it helps. Yeah. Uh, the the way I approach every production is almost like a new startup business, and I think that's why I love it so much because it's always creating something new. You're starting a new team. There's a new product. Uh, you're you're working with various parts of the, the the process as opposed to just one particular yeah. thing which from a managerial perspective it, it, it's the same thing in in uh in any business uh, so i think having a basic understanding definitely helps i don't think you necessarily need that i think if you have basic communication skills you can kind of anybody can be a producer if they really you know learned the the trade and and, and really got into it but i think uh, it has helped me along yeah. the way uh, achieve uh, producing faster than going like your traditional route of working as a PA for five sure. years and then going through that process. Um, when was was there a time where you kind of had to transition from, you know, everybody kind of starts off. <laughs> I don't think you dreamt of being a producer probably from the beginning, right? So like... No, not at all, actually. Yeah. So when was the, like, what was the tr- transition like for you from like, okay, I'm going to shift from this being like my vision to now moving into a role where I am supporting like another vision? Was that difficult for you? That's actually a great question. Um, I actually, when I first moved to LA, I wanted to be a cinematographer. Okay. Th- that was my path, my goal. Like, I, And I thought that's what I would be good at. Uh, I walked onto my first set here in LA and I found out how smart you have to be to be a DP. Uh, and I clearly wasn't that. (laughs) 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 And it just, um, it really was a slap in the face when I saw my first real production of what that looked like and not having any kind of previous, uh, film school experience or anything like that. Um, and, and I think, what was so cool about and so uh, when I when I finally got into producing, it was because I finally understood what a producer did. Prior to that, I didn't really know what that meant. It was such this vague term that was always thrown out. Yeah. Okay. So so give me like give me like your um your definition before your exposure, and then like your definition like after you kind of like saw. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, my my definition before was I thought it was somebody that was the person that put the money behind it. Okay. I guess like I I knew that a uh, producer had something to do with the money. I I didn't know exactly what what that meant. Um my definition afterwards which is is what when I first moved here a producer told me was uh producing is a lot like uh wedding planning. Hmm. Uh so it's what a wedding planner does for a wedding is the same what a producer does for a film. And oddly enough, that struck a chord with me. Not mm. that I'm married or have ever like. <laughs> <laughs> You've been, been to a wedding. A wedding. <laughs> I've been to weddings. Uh, I've, and actually, funny enough, I've planned a wedding before too for go. a cousin of mine. And so I think that really made me uh, more clear to to what what that that idea meant, which was carrying out and executing a vision yeah. um, that a couple might have or whatever. And then this is their big day, and this is and it's it's ve- it's very much like that. It's like planning an event but for one specific uh, day that would ultimately be cut and edited later on for, yeah. for an end product. Um, and so, yeah, that, that really helped me out with the definition of it and, and really got me excited about it because uh, I knew what that took and what that meant, I guess, for, yeah. 
to to execute something like that. Yeah. So let's go back to the question of um, kind of shifting from like I have a dream to be a cinematographer and I want to like be the creative force behind this film to I'm now shifting to to a support role where I'm like you know thinking through logistics of pulling off somebody else's vision. What was that transition like for you? Yeah. Ultimately, I think I think I loved it more because I was able to help and curate so many more visions than like one vision that I may have had. Yeah. Um, and in being able to collaborate with other directors where the creative didn't really solely rely or fall upon me, but I was help, I was able to help guide and aid a vision. Yeah. And that was, I think it lifted so much weight off of my shoulders where I felt like I could help more in these various avenues and ways of getting it done because I knew how to get things done. Uh, and I was able to take off uh, certain stresses that let more creative pe- people do what they need to do yeah. and be who who they need to be within that set of skills. Because nowadays, I think you've probably seen this a lot, uh, as well as all of us with, with the new age of like filmmaking, uh, directors take on more of the roles themselves, like where they're producer, director, DP, right. trying to do it themselves, which I find is, 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 is just backwards to the end, end goal of yeah. what, what you're trying to achieve. Cause I don't think anybody can be fully creative, yeah. uh, trying to wear multiple hats for, for whatever that's worth. Let me, let me ask you about that. Cause I am curious your thoughts. Um, I actually had this question written down for you like do you think like classical roles like on a set is that relevant anymore hmm i've had this debate with uh, with a couple people actually um i i don't think so i think roles were were set in place for technology mm-hmm. that was used back in the day um not to say not not to say that those roles can't change yeah. or be uh, adaptive uh like some of your more traditional roles where like you had like a five person camera team back in the day. Right. And that was because you had this gigantic film yeah. camera right. that needed uh, a couple ACs and more grip support and whatever that looked like. Um, but nowadays I do feel like with technology, you know, you're seeing roles condense or simplify or, or just kind of, change in ways uh, for the better because i think it's making the cost of productions go down yeah when when you when you have that and you're ultimately being able to be more creative when when you have those kind of things slim uh so it's like it's like yes and no i think there's some like definitive roles that need to be there because yeah. i think filmmaking is the art of collaboration yeah totally. there there you need uh, as much as a, a filmmaker now can go pick up a camera and shoot themselves nowadays i think i think you need the collaboration of these different art forms wh- whether that's music uh cinematography um art direction i think that's what what makes it special because it's the culmination of of every art form put together is what filmmaking is yeah yeah, and I think it's like a process of like refining too, you know, like having people that you trust that are around you and yes. it's just like refining ideas over and over again, kind of like putting it through the filter of people that you trust exactly. over and over again. Because I think it's very easy to lose your way, you know, mm-hmm. and if you're able as a director to like communicate your vision to people that you trust that are around you, they can kind of help you 
nudge you in the right direction, keep you on like the course that you kind of like plotted to begin with, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Otherwise you can be really stuck in like, like just this tunnel vision that would never go anywhere. You wouldn't even know if, if yeah. you're headed in the right direction of whatever this looks like. Um, and it helps, it helps having like those people around you that are closest to you to, that you can really vent to yeah, for right. whatever that, that is. Okay. So as a producer, and I'm sure you've got projects that you're being like, cool, that's exciting. I'd like to work on that. Or no, not exactly my cup of tea. I guess I'm wondering, like, uh, what makes a director, what makes you want to work with a director? What, what like, attributes are you like, man, I totally connect with his vision, her vision, and I want to work with them. What is that for you? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever look at it just as a project basis. And I'm glad that you asked the question in the way you did, because I, I think every time I, I look into a project, I'm looking at who the director is yeah, uh, and really what this person can actually achieve within their vision, not even just for this film, but for what's, yeah. whatever is to come. Because uh, if I just looked at projects by projects, there's no uh, relationships there. It's just yeah. I'm attached to the project as opposed to... I believe in the project as opposed to I believe in the filmmaker. Right. And so that's what's most important to me is that I can get behind a solid filmmaker. And what I uh, what I always look for in a director is is obviously one vision, but two, can can this person execute mm. this vision? Because uh, I, I, I think I see like countless scripts and treatments um, throughout like uh, the, the course of the, the last couple of years. I've seen a bunch of like, amazing scripts and stuff but sometimes it's hard to get behind a director that can execute that properly yeah um because uh and that could be on various levels of of um communication to experience yeah. to um vision like you know it, and it's just trying to find the mix of that but i i feel like in my vetting process a lot of it is just getting to know the person and how well of a friendship and a bond that you can build with this person. Yeah. And it tells me a lot about a person when I can have certain types of conversations with people Yeah, that you, I guess, traditionally couldn't have in a traditional workplace yeah. even. Uh, to talk on a deeper level, uh, really get to know the person. Um, I think that's really important to me whenever I am thinking of talk, uh, working with a, a director or establishing something it's like really relational for you it is it's like dating it's like yeah. this whole like process of it's not only like do i want to work with them it's do they want to work with me yeah sure you, you kind of have to like figure out that groove because i think it's the director producer uh relationship i think is such an important relationship like yeah there's this very like mom and dad role that sometimes happens <laughs> like <laughs> on uh on a on a on a typical set and I feel like I'm always the mom that tells people that <laughs> eat your peas because it's good for you. <laughs> and then he's like the fun dad. Like the he's the fun, like dad, the fun yeah, dad. Yeah, that like is giving them like candy and like just taking them out. Uh, That's so amazing. yeah, there's, That's there's, good. There's, there's That's that. Good. Yeah. Um, okay. So what is like your biggest, we're going to go like something totally surface level. What's like your biggest pet peeve on set? Ooh. I think I have a lot, but uh, <laughs> what's, my, what's my biggest pet peeve? I think uh, I think communication is a really big 
like blessing and pet peeve at the same time. Yeah. Uh, well, the lack of communication. I think there's a lot of things that can slip through the cracks of this big beast that has a lot of moving parts to yeah. it. Yeah. And if people aren't communicating to their proper departments or set department leaders communicating to to the creative or, or producers, uh, I've just seen so many things that could have been that could have been like just completely done differently yeah. and a lot of problems avoided if said thing was communicated earlier in the day or that this was uh, going to be a thing or not possible or whatever that, that may look like. And, and it just hurts the entire production ultimately yeah. when, when communication isn't there or when a director doesn't fully communicate what he's thinking. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen the opposite happen uh, to the crew and then crews kind of left hanging uh, on what it is exactly that this person wants to do. And I've worked with a couple directors where they just want to like try to figure it out on set yeah. and just like really like learn, like, you know, and, it, and it, which is a great luxury if you have it, but right. on most low budget things, you're, you're really trying to, you know, make sure that, that time is is of the essence and that you're you're working um in a way that everything is done with the least amount of time taken and yeah. so that that ultimately happens with as much pre-production as you can possibly have um so that you're just doing on set not really figuring yeah. it out yeah uh, for sure along the way okay i hope that answered no no, no that's great that's great so what part of the process like keeps you coming back? Like what part of the process is like, I love when I get to this point and it like, it's just like uh, the most satisfaction I get out of this role is like this part of the process. Where is that for you? Um, so it, it differs on the type of production. I'll give you two answers to this because it's so hard. On any client related uh, productions that I've been a part of, I've had multiple instances where they'll either pull me aside or, or talk to me afterwards and tell me something so amazing about how the crew did that day. And I feel like ultimately when I'm as a producer, I'm a reflection of the team behind me and vice versa. Yeah. So when something, something uh, positive is said there about the actual execution of it, I've had, I've had like a couple people tell me like, oh, it's okay as long as the end result is good. But for me, it, it, it's just as important on what happens on set of how my crew feels, yeah. how they're doing, how my clients think that they're doing. Like if if there's just this excellent collaboration that's happening on set and people take notice of that and want to work with you again because of that, yeah. that just gives me like butterflies inside <laughs> that like, you know, <laughs> we yeah. did something right. I totally uh, understand that. And I, I think whenever there's... N- I guess not a client related thing. And it's just like a passion project or whatever, honestly, just seeing, seeing it on screen, seeing it on, on uh, whether that's a projection screen or a, t- a TV for the first time, seeing it for the first time, uh, you know, it just, it does make it all worth it. Um, yeah. Just, and it makes you want to go through hell again with, with your <laughs> closest friends. I mean, how do you, <laughs> it's so funny, the process of just like complete misery and yeah. <laughs> I, I've told myself so many times, I'll never put myself through that again. 
And then you see it on screen, <laughs> like it goes from your mind to the paper to the screen, and then it's like, yeah, we should probably do that again. <laughs> right, right. It's addicting. No, it's true. What about you? I mean, what what does that look like for you? Which part? Uh, as far as like, wh- why do you keep doing this? Why? What, what keeps you coming back? Um, I th- I think it's it's a similar answer. I think it's um, there's something special about like taking something that's in your mind and communicating it to people that like you love working with and that you trust, and then like coming together to to build it and to craft it and to make it and to see like um, what was in your kind of mind's eye, like now it's like shareable and I can share that idea with like, right. Right. And which is the reason I'm asking is because from, for a director, I felt like that must be way more personable because it's sometimes your inception. Yeah. uh, When it, when it comes to the idea. And it's funny too, how it, how it works though. Cause sometimes I would say, uh, probably doesn't, happen that much but like you know sometimes it'll be like a direct like uh like my vision and I see it on the screen like almost exactly how I saw it but there's Mm. also really special times like where it comes out way different than I thought it would and it kind of like has legs of its own almost like the project becomes something in the in the process of like working with people and that's really special too when it kind of like evolves absolutely and it almost always does right yeah i mean to some degree when you start talking to more and more people and more and more people will get involved with the project uh and that's it's kind of how you know it's headed in a good direction when it is evolving yeah um okay so what's next for you man yeah that's a good question um kind of in a couple different things right now um i think ultimately um this year has been the start of developing features for me Wow. Um, which was a pretty daunting move. Um, but the the goal and the dream is to have one fully in development ready to shoot by next year. Wow. That's yeah. amazing, man. <laughs> Thank it's, you. it's so funny how that has shifted because the more like kind of research that I do and like kind of the more homework I do and listen to people that are, you know, probably like a generation ahead of us or maybe two generations ahead. Mm-hmm. It's like there was no like short film market. Right. You know what I mean? If you made a movie, you made a feature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it seems so much more accessible. And now it's like, for some reason, even with like, you know, even talking about technology progressing and it's, it's, um, it seems like that is like, uh, become so much more difficult. Mm. Do, you, do you feel that way? Yeah. Especially with like stuff like Vimeo out there now and like, yeah, these various like channels that are there that like give you like, and which are great outlets for you to be able to like give out these little bursts of creativity um, yeah. for whatever it is. So it it is kind of interesting, like where all that's going, where the future of feature films and all of that. I, it's just been a dream of mine for so long, which I guess is shorter than most people's dreams. But at some point, <laughs> <laughs> at some point, I was just like, we you just got to do it. You just got to try it. And it's it's kind of the only way that I've really learned. Hmm. and been able to do what, whatever it is that I'm doing now is just by doing. Um, yeah. So I, I just, I don't want to get comfortable. I just want to like keep ex- excelling and growing in, in that. And this is, I think, the next step for me. Okay. So someone who's listening and they're like, maybe I want to be a producer. Hmm. Like, let me ask you a couple questions in that vein. Uh, number one, what makes a good producer in your opinion? 
Oof. I wish there was only one thing. Um, you can list them. What makes a good producer? I think absolutely number one is communication. Um, I think there's also a, uh, an extreme level of self-motivation that needs to happen. There, the higher up you get, the less there is somebody telling you to do something or to like, this is what this is what you have to do. And you just really have to be a go-getter in this, a hustler, just being willing to do things that nobody else will to get, get things done, basically. Like sell illegal albums <laughs> <laughs> in middle school. <laughs> hey, it brought a lot of people good music. That's right. That's right. All right, what else? What else? Um, I think... Um, having i think it's just having certain like life essential like what's the word for it like life essential um assets where it's just be a good person don't run over people don't try to like you know whatever it is that you're trying to do don't run over people to make something happen be kind be courteous be respectful um, there's, there's so many instances that I've seen where people get power trips, people just, you know, start doing things because they have a title or role and feel like that they can assert themselves to a certain position and, and be difficult with people, which I, I don't believe in. I think you can be relatively nice. I think you can be at least just courteous and generous and respectful of people. And I, I think that's something that's, that's really lost in um, as people get up into whatever levels or roles that, that they're trying to get into. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the great thing about something like producing is it, is it can be learned. It can be taught. Um, you know, it's the idea of spending 10,000 hours at anything and you can become good at it, I think is a real thing for producing. The more you do, the more productions that you you get your hands on, the, the better you become. Every production to me is is learning something and uh, and just taking risks. I think risk-taking is a big thing for, for producers. Being able to lay it out in the line and um, take chances on people, on uh, obviously like whatever your product is, the script or film, um, p- being able to like share and communicate that to other people uh, I think confidence goes a big way, um, particularly within this role. Um, comp- there's something about confidence that's just warming for people, that attracts people to you and your project. And if you have confidence in your your product, your filmmaker, uh, your team, uh, I think that that's what ultimately does help everybody else. There's something calming about that. There's something that makes you want to be a part of something like that when you have confidence. Um, there's this quote that I always quote uh, that an executive producer once told me, uh, and it was, if you can if you can be confident enough to where you know 60 to 70% of what you're doing and you can fake the other 30 to 40, it's the idea of fake it till you make it, um, yeah. Which I've lived by, not in any kind of like um, bad way, but it's true. If you think of that in any field, 
uh, nobody fully. If you're ever growing, you should never know 100 percent what you're doing, right? Uh, or what you're what you're what you're trying to achieve. You're always trying to figure out what's the next big thing, and a lot of that. As long as you know a good sixty to seventy percent, and you can figure out the other thirty to forty percent along the way, um, that's how you truly grow and and succeed. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so talking to the same person, uh, a little sixteen-year-old who wants to <laughs> be a producer, a little gins. Um, <laughs> what is like? What would you say? What's the first step? How do you get started? That's a good question. I mean, there's what I love about filmmaking too. Is I know that, it's like infinite possibilities. Yeah, but if we're yeah. talking gen- generally, and that's that's what I love about it. Actually, is that there's not this one way, this one path that you have to take. There's all these various avenues, and it allows anybody. Uh, you know, you can you could be some rich white dude or some like poor inner city kid. Like, you're everybody has equal playing field to what this looks like. Um, because there's so many different avenues uh, to to getting yeah, a, a film made, and for me personally, it was when the whole DSLR revolution kind of came. Um, I was able to get get my hands on a camera and just to start shoot shooting, and so that's how it started for me. I just I just I, I saw it as an investment in myself, in whatever yeah. small small way that looked like, just buying like small a small camera and just shooting. And just doing, yeah. and with with the amount of like resources that are online today, like it, there, there's no reason why anybody couldn't really learn it with what's avail- readily available to them, uh, just around uh, the internet and what's local to them. And really, I think a good practice is is on top of that is finding other like minded individuals that are on like somewhat on the same playing field. So if you and your friends want to make a film go do it. Just go, yeah, go right. and, and shoot. It doesn't matter like how crappy it may look. I think I look at my first films. I'm like, man, what was I thinking? <laughs> and I do that. I think every year, some, yeah. some level or degree. Uh, so I don't, I don't think anybody ever really loses that, but I think there's this fear that always stumbles people that I'm not yeah. good enough, that I can't do yeah. this, that I'll never be like Jared Hogan. I would never be like, you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino, whoever it may be. And there's always going to be somebody in your life that you feel like you're comparing yourself to that you can't, uh, be or do whatever it is. And, and ultimately people just stop doing it. And that's the unfortunate part. And I say, use that fear to your advantage and use it as motivation. That's great. Use it as, uh, as a tool to like get you going, get you pumped saying, no, I can do that. And I'm going to try, you know, and, and really, and that's really how it started, man. It's just, you know, we just do these like home videos and then uh, would start telling people that I was going to charge money for it. And then <laughs> <laughs> one thing led into another. And... Man, I need you to like um, turn my life into a business. <laughs> I need some business <laughs> acumen. Let's talk. That's I've amazing. got a hundred of them. <laughs> Oh man. Well, that's great. I feel like a common thread, you know, we've done, this is our 12th episode now. And I feel like in every episode, the same theme kind of emerges, which is like, keep doing stuff, Mm. keep making stuff, keep pushing. And, uh, yeah, I feel like that's a big part of, um, you know, hearing your story is like, there's gotta be like this kind of internal drive to, to create, you know, like nobody is going to like, 
tell you to do it exactly. or make you do it. It's like it's got to come from you. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is like internal drive and also who you kind of surround yourself with. Oh, yeah. It's very much like environmental and also like yeah. kind of like a self thing. That yeah. You, you, it's yeah, got to be both. True. It, it is. Uh, interesting enough, I didn't really have that in the environmental um, at least like early in my life. But then as yeah. I started, when I first got my, my self motivation into it and I started doing, then I saw people like around me motivating me to keep going, keep yeah. figuring out what that looks like. So it seems like what you do is particularly with, with you hearing how you work, it's so relational. Mm-hmm. Oh it's yeah. So relational. Um, I mean, I how think important the... has it been for you to find like your, your kind of like people? I think it's 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 really the only thing that I have yeah. is is my 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 relationships, um, particularly with even like producing. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm only as strong as my relationships sometimes in being able to um, work with the people that I want to work with and at the same time do good work. Yeah. And then, you know, for whatever that may look like. And so um, and not in a. Um, a negative way where it's like being used, it, it has to be a mutual thing. Like yeah, whenever right. we're talking about relationships. So it's not like, Hey, I've got like all these people that I'm like, I have that are ready to like work for me. It's work with these people in the yeah. same way that they're working with you. Uh, and how, how that's going to develop and grow and, you know, continue to flourish. Uh, Cause Man, we're all here helping each other. Exactly. That's, that's a really interesting thing. Actually, I found you know, like, um, the more relationships that I'm kind of like, um, uh, growing and, and like starting, Mm -hmm. the more I have to check myself that like, I have to make sure that these relationships are not, uh, just to like further me, my, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's a really hard thing to kind of like keep in check. It is. Um, I, I know I've, uh, definitely suffered from it in the past and it's something that i always have to like continue to like keep myself in check for whatever because you can easily get into it you can easily just um use people without even knowing that you're using people right Uh, you're just kind of like doing and you're so focused on whatever your your vision is or what you're trying to do that sometimes it can easily like slip through the cracks and uh more so recently in the last like two years i've been trying to make sure that that doesn't, that people come first in anything. Yeah, you just like care about people. Yeah. And then if you care about people, you know, it'll ultimately spill out into every other aspect of life, whether that's like your product, your vision, whatever it may be. Because when you care about people, they'll care about you. And they, yeah, you you know, you you just want the best for each other uh, for, for whatever that looks like. Dude, that's amazing. Okay. Any parting words? Um... Last minute advice. Ooh. I I hope I hope it was good. <laughs> yes. Oh, I didn't even have to ask you, man. You just you're a dedicated listener. That's good. <laughs> you're the only podcast I've subscribed to. Yes. <laughs> On iTunes. I just want I hope to everybody that. hope everybody heard that out there. Subscribe. Subscribe. Jens, thanks, dude. It's been a pleasure. Oh, the honor is mine. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. This episode was mixed by Christian Stropko, or as we like to refer to him, Christian number two. Our show is edited by Olivia Londa. 
As always, our music today was created by Cubby. That's Cubby with two Bs. You can check out more of his stuff on CubbySounds.com. Our show is produced by Will Meyer, and our good podcast logo was designed by Eric Hurchin. Also, you can find all of our show notes and other fun stuff at GoodThePodcast.com.